how do you create a world like that? How do you take a camera, try to reflect the world you see, and not put any women in it whatsoever? I'm Carolyn. And I'm Eric. And this is We Used to Be the Smart Kids. Hi, guys. Today's episode, we're going to try and figure out what the fuck Guy Ritchie's problem with women is. Oh, okay. Right? Remind me who Guy Ritchie is. Guy Ritchie is a movie director. He came on the scene in 98 with Lock, Stock, and Tube Smoking Barrels. Got a lot of acclaim for Snatch. The Snatch? movie, not... Snatch is in to grab or Snatch is in ladies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in this situation, it is referring to snatches and to grab because there are not a lot of ladies' pussies in his movies. Hmm. Interesting it's... problem. So he came on the scene with those, did a couple more crime dramas, and then got punted to the big leagues. He was put in charge of The Man from Uncle, the live-action Aladdin movie, one of those King Arthur Johns that everyone seems to be making now. Did you see any of these? Nope. <laughs> Have you seen a single Guy Ritchie movie? Or do they talk really fast in Snatch? Yes, they do. I might have seen that one half asleep. <laughs> I thought I saw something that Guy Ritchie did. Sherlock Holmes? Yes, and Sherlock Holmes. I saw that. Yes, Sherlock Holmes and its sequel, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. So what he's known for is these crime capers, a lot of violence, a lot of black comedy, a lot of people getting blown up and having it be funny, basically. My favorite things. He has a problem with women in a lot of his movies, but I wanted to focus directly on the crime capers today. I recently watched Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, his first two movies, and then his most recent movies, The Gentleman and Wrath of Man. Knowing, it's just men everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Knowing that what you're going to talk about, the, the list of titles is hysterical. That being said, his other movies... You can kind of see where I'm coming from on this. Uh, Sherlock Holmes, Irene Adler gets about five minutes of screen time before she's shuffled off again. So you can focus on Holmes and Watson and their broing relationship. Uh, Watson's future wife gets on stage for five minutes, throws a hissy and leaves again. I feel like this is every Sherlock Holmes I've ever seen ever. But if you're going to focus on Irene Adler, it's... Oh, it's it's a travesty. I'm not saying it's great. They it's should... just also fitting within my thesis. Quick rundown of plots. Crime happens. Now, uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels are these interwoven stories about heists and drug deals gone wrong and cheating at cards and whatnot. And it ends up with many shootouts and pot dealers being robbed. And Jason Statham gets a happily ever after at the end. Is Jason there... Statham and his three buddies. Is there a giant diamond in this? No, that's Snatch. Oh, okay. I've definitely seen that one then. Snatch is the same thing, but it's got a giant diamond in it. <laughs> that was explained where I was like, this sounds weirdly familiar. I mean, the plots are completely different, but it's okay, okay. not it's not beef for beat the same, but you can describe that both movies as, hey, a lot of interweaving plots with crime and Jason Statham gets a happy ending. Guy Ritchie is the guy who discovered Jason Statham, the manliest of man movie people. I do like Jason Statham. And Vinnie Jones, I don't know if you've seen Vinnie Jones in a lot of things, but he's just a man with no neck who looks like he wants to punch everyone. Does he have dark hair? Yes. Like a box on his head? Yes. I have seen him then, probably in Snatch. Yes. He grows up a little between those first two movies and the most recent ones. There's still interwoven stories and crime capers and whatnot, but The Gentleman is about Matthew McConaughey trying to sell his pot business and retire. Oh, 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 oh. I've not seen this, but I've seen... 
a trailer or something. Yeah. Did it look interesting to you? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Wrath of Man is about Jason Statham. Yay. Surprise, surprise. Wow. Joining a armored truck company to try to figure out who's been knocking off armored trucks because he's secretly a crime boss. Spoilers, guys. I'm very sorry. And the armored truck drivers killed his son during one of the holdups. And he needs revenge. Mm, I've not seen a movie like this ever. Very unique. <laughs> and all of these have this stylish violence, this over-the-top dialogue, this men doing manly things. I wish I could do that tool time thing. Arr, arr, arr. That's my man impression. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's trying to be a gorilla, but it was a good effort. It was a very good effort. <laughs> I started watching these with my fiance, and as I'm going through these movies, I notice there's a complete absence of women. Like, there's one or two exceptions, but these are worlds completely devoid of women. There's no women walking the streets. There's no women in the bars. There's no women doing crimes. There's maybe one woman per movie that shows up, does a thing, leaves again, never heard from again, has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Uh, in Man from Uncle, the main female lead is just written out of the entire last third of the movie and is completely absent for the emotional climax between the two men. The two men who have to man it up and figure out how they're going to be bros forever. I like that there's an emotional climax between two men. That's the most emotional he gets. Hey, bud, I'm not going to kill you. You're not going to kill me. We're friends now. That that's That's emotions. I was hoping it was more romantic. Sadly, no. I mean, I'm sure a million ships have been written because these are two very pretty men. Wait, hold on. Let's find out. You said it was the man from Uncle? I did. There are only 163 of them on AO3. I stand corrected. Do you remember the character names? Uh, I do not. They were interchangeable. It was the Russian guy and the not Russian guy. Napoleon and Ilya? That sounds about right. Okay. Well, they are definitely shipped a few times. Okay. Because, yeah, it's two pretty men thrust together. I'm sorry, there are nearly 3,000 Napoleon slash Ilya fix on AO3. They're just not apparently tagged. <laughs> not labeled the man from the man. uncle. Yep. <laughs> so you were right. I was right. I, I, I feel much better now. I feel vindicated. So in this movie, they do stereotypically feminine things, but they've got to be better at it than the women. Same with Sherlock Holmes. I think he dresses up as a woman once. But because they're men, they do women things better than women do. They dress the girl. They show her how to be attractive and available and whatnot. Oh, right, right, right. When like, men are like um, uh, training women, kind yes. of, for lack of a better word. Yeah, the Red Sparrow thing, yeah. But that could be read as stereotypically gay, so I can see how that would go in. But I don't think he intended it that way. I think he just... Manly supermen. Manly supermen who are the best at everything. The only way they can be upstaged is by other men. And they try to upstage them, upstage each other at being the best at women things. I mean, when you've already won at hockey and sports and whatever else men are good at. Gorilla noises. Yes. It's, when it's you're the best at gorilla noises. All that's left is sewing and makeup. fashion. Yes. <laughs> Back to these crime dramas. There is one absolutely fascinating shot in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels that okay. I think is... The entire thesis of this argument in a nutshell. Okay. It's one of the opening scenes. Mm -hmm. The gangster, big guy, bald, looks like he's going to stab you in the face, is in the foreground. 
Mm-hmm. And in the background is a topless dancer from the neck down. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like, this is the most feminine moment in the movie. As in, that is the most you see of women in this movie? Or There's like... also a, de- a card dealer later. She can't play in the game. She's just got to be the dealer. And she's an old lady, so not sexually attractive. If she was sexually attractive, she'd be serving drinks. Yes. But anyway, back to the scene. And this gangster is telling these two mooks to go steal some guns. And during this entire scene, this woman is dancing in the background, trying to be as sexy as possible. The focus never shifts. She's always a little blurry back there. The gangster never turns around. He is too focused on crime. Fuck women. I want money. And it just blew me away. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that's his entire ovar. Women don't matter. I'm not going to pay any attention to women because they're not crime. They're not the plot. They're not these ubermen that I want to follow and explore. They're not even objects of desire. When they are present, they're part of the set. Uh, They can be plot points in the same movie. There is one other woman. I forgot about her. She's stoned out of her mind in the pot grower's little castle where they do their little science experiments. She's brought in. She has no lines. She's just passed out on this guy's arm. And she's dropped on the couch. And you forget about her. And she's there for apparently weeks, just stoned out of her mind on this super pot that they're growing because they're manly men at the best at growing pot. On, she's on the couch for weeks? Yeah. Like, I'm assuming time passes in this time. It might be days, whatever. Mm-hmm. She's background. She's there. And you forget about her hmm. until she wakes up in the middle of the robbery, steals someone's gun, shoots someone, and then gets killed. That's it. That's her entire purpose. She never says a goddamn word the entire time. She is, she is literally Chekhov's gun. She is Chekhov's stoner chick. Yeah. Yeah. If you see a stoner chick, if you introduce her in the first act, she must <laughs> shoot someone by the third. <laughs> yeah she's got no bearing on the plot she's a punchline she has no characterization aside from stoned girlfriend of one of the pot growers but would that character be a punchline if it was a guy like would it still work the same way like it was a boyfriend yeah yeah it would like that's kind of interesting because it sounds like because they're not objects of desire uh, i don't know how to say this it's almost not sexist in a weird backwards ass sexist kind of way women are so unimportant to me But, like, men are, ah! (laughs) There's something weird going on here. That's kind of what I wanted to explore. She's not sexualized. She's just fucking passed out. Is Guy Ritchie gay? I have to ask. He was married to Madonna for eight years. You wouldn't think someone married to Madonna would view women as set dressing. Apparently, while married to Madonna, he did do one completely critically panned movie that was about romance. Like, listed as one of the worst movies ever made. Called Swept Away, about being stuck on a deserted island with this woman and da 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 uh, No, don't da 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 that. A man obsessed with telling stories about Ubermen. Oh, yeah. While uh, married to Madonna. Yes. Made a romance about being stuck on a deserted island with a woman. <laughs> and the romance was terrible. Like, there is something going on. Yes. Uh, the man proves himself because socially he's lower than this woman. She's been bossing him around this whole time. But once they're on the island... Manly skills come out, and she has to become submissive to him. Did he write this? Uh, I do not know. Let's oh, look it up. Oh, my, I need to know. He did. He did. He Delightful. Wrote, he, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's incredible. 
And it stars Madonna. It does star Madonna, yes. They were divorced short, well, not shortly after, but within a couple of years. How could you stay with someone after acting in his film that he had written, and then you watch it with all of your friends, and you're like, wait, (laughs) this is his version of a romance. Oh, what if she didn't even realize it until the critics panned it, and then she was like, (gasps) oh, I thought I was doing a forbidden love story. No, this is, this is women need to be put in their place. He hates me because I'm more powerful than he is. Like, you can't even call it women hating. It's, have you heard of men going their own way? It's this group of incels who have decided that, fuck women. If I need to be nice to women to get laid, fuck that. I will jerk off 20 times a day. I will be manly. I will grow a beard. I will live in the wilderness and never touch a vagina. So they're like, um, they're not interested in women... Uh. <laughs> they're not interested in women on their on women's terms no they are it's like those people who say i don't let other people control me i do whatever i want but what they're really saying is they're so completely controlled by society that they just do whatever is the opposite thing yeah so like these guys are like i don't care about women when really you're like all you think about is women <laughs> i base my life around not thinking about women yes that thank you yeah but it sounds like his film's He just doesn't have any interest in women. Yeah. So it's the platonic ideal of men going their own way. He's just like, women, who the fuck needs them? He's like, (laughs) he embodies the patriarchy. I was going to say he's like the Isle of Lesbos where they just use men to get pregnant, but like the dude version. Yeah. But I mean, that's just everything. Oh, that's another thing. There are no mothers in these movies. All There are fathers and sons, and sons are apparently just fully formed straight out of their dad's asshole there's no women in between he went to the disney school of thought or like there's not even like dead mothers there's not even dead mothers uh wrath of man there's a divorced mother that's sneered at briefly but that's it that's, this is so weird like uh lock stock and two smoking barrels one of the characters the one who loses the poker game to the gangsters his dad runs a bar and his dad is told hey you're gonna have to sell your bar if you don't want your kid to lose all of his fingers <laughs> But it's this interaction between the dad and the son, and there's no mother involved. There's no mother in sight. The son drinks at the dad's bar. How old is the son? Early 20s, I want to say. Like, not like a 10-year-old. No. Got it. When did you realize that there were no women in these films? Um, I mean, the gentleman gave me an inkling, but then I jumped from the gentleman to snatch. Mm -hmm. And Jesus Christ, where are the women? What's what's going on here? Because the gentleman at least has a woman character. Like a real one? A plot device woman character. Okay. Like, she's delightful. She's snarky. She is one of the guys. Okay. She's written as desirable. The camera wants you to think it's showing you as desirable, but it's very flat when she's on screen. It's just, hey, Matthew McConaughey loves this woman. Can't you tell? Because he said so. Wait. Did you just say he he's even doing the male gaze wrong? Yes. Like, yes, I am. He can't, he can't even make a desirable woman yeah. <laughs> look desirable. <laughs> how did this man i bet this man got with madonna because she'd never had anyone ignore her so thoroughly before (laughs) she's just like wow this really does something for me the closest you get to male desire is she's about to be raped at the end of the movie before matthew mcconaughey comes and save her but it's not oh this sexy woman of course she's going to get raped for flaunting it in front of the women it's this is done to hurt this guy and also rape is like it's still not male desire it's still power well yeah so it's, yeah, it's just, it's just not, we're still not doing desire. <laughs> we're still not doing desire, but that's the closest thing to it. Hey, sex is about to happen here. 
unwilling, terrible, whatever. But this is the closest thing in these movies that I can find. I almost want to track down the live action Aladdin to see how he pulls off that romance. Are they like asexual, these films? Yes, very much so. So like it's not even a sexual attraction. There's just no sexual attraction. It's yes. just, I would like money, please. Money and power. Money, power, respect in the community. Masculinity is its own reward in these things. Oh, okay. With Richard Linkletter, the episode we did the other day, women mm-hmm. are the prize for going through this whole masculinity dance. Right, right, right. Yep, it's a performance. It's a performance. You're peacocking to try and get the women to notice you by being the manliest man you can be. And in the meantime, you also are trying to be manly in front of your bros, get male friendship. But in this one, the prize for being the most masculine is being the most masculine. You're the alpha male in the room. You're the one people respect. Hmm. I sort of understand a lot more about why I slept through these. (laughs) So... I'm just going to go right in and focus on the last female character. There were three. Three female characters in all four movies. In Wrath of Man, there is one woman security guard. And she, again, is treated as one of the guys. She's buff. She's whatever. She's still not as good as the men because she gets killed at the end. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm going to lie. This is the closest she gets to sexualizing someone because she's shown as strong and powerful and masculine. So she gets respect for being stronger than some of the guys. How is this sexualizing, though? Because it's shown with desire. Like, holy shit, she's strong. I wish I was that strong. Okay, but we're. I feel like we're still riding the line between, like... like yeah, you, this is not want... standard desire. This is not in any way, shape, or form sexual, sexualizing her. But it's the closest thing we have to sexualizing a woman. So it's, it's just desire targeted at... A woman. A woman. A woman, yes. Yeah. <laughs> one woman. I, I would like to have one large woman, please, with a side of women's. It is a desire aimed at a woman instead of ignoring women. Entirely, yes. Yeah. Because she has these masculine traits that other men desire. I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this. Like, what this would look like to watch. I would know had I not fallen asleep, but... <laughs> I mean, she's coded as lesbian. She's got the short hair. She's got the muscles. She's tall. That's never come right out and said, I don't think. I mean, why would you? Yes. What's the point of having a woman security guard if she's not a lesbian? (laughs) It's a ridiculous idea. But in every other movie, the sexual harassment would be there for that. And it's not really in this one. I think there's like a half-hearted attempt or two, but it never lands. It never feels like... Huh. Yeah. Accidental feminism through chauvinism. Like, I'm showing these female characters, these female plot points, these female background ideas. But aside from them, there are no women. How do you create a world like that? How do you take a camera, try to reflect the world you see, and not put any women in it whatsoever? It's like normally... Women are ignored because they're seen as sexual objects and not as people. Yeah. So that's the role that they're given. But, like, this guy doesn't see them as anything. Yeah. They they just, they're, they're not even beneath his interest. They are literally not interesting. They lack any interest for him. Unless they take on these male characteristics. When Stoner Girl whips out the gun and starts shooting people, that's when the camera finally focuses on her. 
But it's still, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. And yes, in like an academic essay, blah, 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 sure. It's still not an interest in a woman. It's no. just like, oh, I have to put a woman in this film so like this character can be a woman. Yeah. I think they'd be like interesting films to gender swap because it sounds like. Oh, God, yes. If there's... they could gender swap it, almost nothing would change. Like these aren't men. These aren't women. These are just these power fantasies embodied. Is it is it a male power fantasy or is it just like a being the best power fantasy as like male power fantasies i feel like are inspired by sexual desire if i was this then women would want me in male power fantasies it's i'm the biggest i'm the toughest women want me men fear me and this is completely lacking the women want me part so it's i'm the biggest i'm the toughest men fear me fear is the end goal here to what end right like why why do you want to be the alpha gorilla like, it feels satisfying at the end when these characters get away with whatever they've gotten away with. Because you follow them on this power fantasy the whole way through. All of these uh, comic pratfalls, all this nonsense. But they get away with it at the end and you're like, yeah. Right, their desire is fulfilled. Yes. But then, like, you walk away and you're like, wait, I, I, why did but I But what care? did they get? Yeah. Like, they're not going to spend the money they got from the diamond. They just wanted to prove they could get the diamond. They've got the diamond. They could live on Easy Street now, but that makes them completely boring. The only reason we are interested in these characters is this power struggle. I feel the sign of a good character is wanting to know what happens next, and you never do with these guys. Do you like these movies? I do, and I don't. Okay. Like, I appreciate the style that goes into these. These are very stylish, noirish films. Shit's real. There are no real good guys. He's funny. He is very funny. Okay. He's great at the physical comedy, at the black humor. Check it out. That guy's head exploded at the most inopportune time. That's fucking hilarious. But in the end, the plot does not win me over. The overarching line of the movie does not win me over. It doesn't make me want to go back and study it and see how he did it. He has all these interweaving stories that he does flawlessly, and I don't care. That's how I felt when I watched Snatch. That's what I remember. Like, there's a lot of really good stuff happening here, but at the end of the day, I don't care about any of these people. And I don't care about the interpersonal relationships. I don't care about what they want. There's there's nothing. There's no heart. Like Again, Richard Linkletter, I can watch those movies over and over again because there is a heart behind it. It's weird as fuck, and there's a lot to unpack there, but there is a heart behind it, and you can feel that heart. With these, it's cruelty all the way down it's just like my my least favorite of anything is when people are being cruel for cruelty's sake and that's what these movies are they're men being cruel to other men to move their way up the pecking order and the goal is just to be at the top of the pecking order yeah i mean matthew mcconaughey his entire plot is him trying to get out of the pecking order with his wife, retire, live in the countryside, whatever. Mm -hmm. He's this big pot magnate that came over and took over the British pot trade. And he's done. He wants to retire. But the end of the movie is him saying, fuck it, I'm not retiring. These guys screwed me over. I'm just going to keep selling pot forever. I'm going to keep being the alpha dog. Because he comes in on top. Again, it's stylish. It's funny. But it doesn't go anywhere. It's these men running around in their own little circles that are completely divorced from anything I would understand. With Everybody Wants Some, I was striving to understand what was going on in these guys' minds. I was able to get there in the end through their own logic. Right. With these, I don't know why they're in a life of crime. They're bad at it. <laughs> 
they could be doing literally anything else and be happier. But no, they're stuck in these miserable little loops. Save Matthew McConaughey. He's already at the top. He's the top of the pyramid scheme. He's the guy who's getting all the money, who has the women, woman, a woman, one woman entire movie. Anyway, like he is the end goal of all these people. But you can see at the end of these movies that they're never going to reach that point. Jason Statham is the end goal of these movies. That's probably not a coincidence that these are his two later movies when he's on top of the world. He's taking these men who are on top of the world and trying to tell their story. Trying to find out what makes himself interesting, I guess. How he could be more interesting now that he is Guy Ritchie. Not just, hey, Guy Ritchie made that movie. You're Guy Ritchie underscore. People know that name. You're going to say that name. An image is going to pop in your head. You're not a person anymore. You're a concept. And he's trying to take these mythological figures and figure out what's important to them. And you see them run around in their own little circles, and there's nowhere for them to go. In his earlier movies with the lower tier people, they're never going to reach that top tier. They're never going to move up. It's just rats stuck in a maze. And hey, it's fun to watch once in a while, but they're not going anywhere. These people have no end goal. And it sounds like I'm being, hey, the biological urge is the end goal of the population. Because if there's no women to quest for, there's no happily ever after. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying they're never going to be satisfied. It sounds like a metaphor for Hollywood. (laughs) It does. It's like he goes to Hollywood and he wants to be like the best director, screenwriter. He wants to be, um, what's that word for like, he wants to be an auteur. And he doesn't think he's going to succeed in it. So he's just kind of being a shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he is successful and people really like him. And he's like, I did it. I did the thing. But if I'm not running around being a shit and hating on the thing I wanted to be because I didn't think I'd ever be that, what am I? An Mm -hmm. empty shell of nothing. I'm the director of Aladdin. Ouch. It does really sound like (laughs) you get to the top and then you're like, wow, I direct Disney movies now because the money is good. And I I didn't piss anyone off on Um, my way to the top. Except Madonna. So these are people not even looking for a reason to live. They're just, I don't know what they're looking for. And that, I think, is what makes these movies not stick with me as much as they might with other people. Like, these are well-regarded movies. Really? Yeah. That's why Guy Ritchie keeps getting these fuck-off big movies like Sherlock Holmes or the live-action Aladdin. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So people like this stuff. Yes. And this stuff is just... I can't, I can't, I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm so bored by the idea of running around trying to be just the best for the best sake that uh, uh, I can't even talk about it. <laughs> it's so dull to me. I- I'm glad we had this podcast then. This is, <laughs> you're so bored with this concept, but we're going to put it online anyway for people to listen to. <laughs> for fuck's sake, I have nothing interesting to say. Yeah. People like it because it's witty it's style over substance, but the style is so well done that people don't mind that the substance isn't really there. He's a talented guy. I'm not denying that in the slightest. His talent is just also really fucking weird and a little gynophobic. Well, I doesn't even sound gynophobic, frankly, because it doesn't sound like he has any feelings about women at all. Can you be gynophobic if you just have no interest in, in women? Did you make the word gynophobic up? No, sadly. Ah, it's so good. <laughs> These are almost by definition guy movies. These are the movies up on dudes' dorm room walls. And I don't know, it's 
sort of Scarface-esque. I guess there is a draw for some people to just be the best of the best of what they do, of being the top dog, of being the alpha. I just hope they grow out of it and find (laughs) out that there is more to life beyond that. I mean, aren't gangster movies just this exact thing, but with a lot of regret and, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been such a shithead Oh, I'm Tony Montana and I died for my sins, yes. Yeah, so like, I guess if you have eaten the steady diet of that, it would be refreshing. Mm -hmm. For the bad guys to win. Yeah, I just want to watch the funny bits and I want to be like, yeah, during the Yeah, that could be me. I could have chased and stayed in my way out of that one. I don't even know if it's I could be me. It's just like, can I just enjoy the mayhem without having to have feelings about it? Yeah, that guy's head blew up. And you know what? It was funny. And I don't have to think about the life that was lost or the potential or anything. I could just be like, meh, his head blew up. (laughs) Maybe that does it for some people. I don't know. Maybe. So... Like, if these are the stereotypical guy movies, I guess it makes sense to not include women in it, but it's still so fucking striking. It's laser-focused on that demographic that we don't even need to include women in this. Or we're just stylish enough that women will watch it and enjoy the style of it. Nobody cares if women watch it. Come on. I know. So I came into this podcast trying to, I wanted to talk about the lack of women in this. And it turns out, I don't have an answer. It's just fucking weird. Yeah, I think that is the only answer. Because I don't think it's pointed. I don't think it points to anything nefarious. I, I just, I, he just doesn't care. And it's just weird to not care or have zero interest in half of the population. <laughs> It's not that I I hate you because you're a woman or I'm not interested in you or I think you're beneath me. Like, you just don't exist. Mm -hmm. You are non-existent in this world I wish to explore. That's weird. (laughs) That's it. I don't don't think there's an answer. I think that's just freaking weird. And yet these are still critically successful. Probably because no one noticed that there were no women in it. Honestly, I, I... don't think I would have noticed. In Hollywood, it is it is normal to not have female leads or female side characters or whatever, but they're still there. You pay five bucks to a woman for your coffee. She's still in the movie. In this one, no. There's a male bartender that you pay five bucks for your beer. Five pounds, excuse me. Like I was watching the ratios of men to women when I was watching Black Widow, mm-hmm. and it did feel weird to have that many women filling the screen. Yeah. And not... For a particular reason, like that person just was a woman. And it feels like spectacle at this point. Check out women on screen. What the fuck is going on here? (laughs) All these women on my TV screen, I've never seen the like. (laughs) Guy Ritchie, missing women. I wish I had deeper insight into this. We've gone through everything I could think of and that's it. Guy Ritchie does not put women in his movies. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Eric. And we used to be the smart kids. But we're not anymore. Don't listen to anything we say. Ever. Bye. Bye. Hello. Six months later. So we recorded this podcast ages and ages ago. And ever since then, this little thing's been bothering me. So we're tacking this on at the end. There was a female character in Snatch. (gasps) I know you all had your angry emails ready to just tear us all down. Brad Pitt's mother was in there. And she served no point to the plot except to encourage Brad Pitt to do some other shit when she died. The hypothesis stands. Guy Ritchie doesn't believe women exist. (laughs)
<laughs> figments of no one's imagining if he doesn't believe they exist they're not even figments they're, yeah. ju they're just no women they're cryptids Thanks for listening. Our intro music is from Tim Beak. You can find him at timbeak.com. And our outro music is by One Man Symphony. And you can find them at onemansymphony.com.